Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be joined by the man launching his own podcast this week, Uncut with Jay Cutler, debuts August 25th, and Jay joins us to talk about his podcast, life as a type 1 diabetic, and breaking down the Chicago Bears quarterback battle between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. And then we'll be joined by Jordan Palmer, a trainer of quarterbacks during the offseason, a man who's worked with, amongst others, Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow, and college quarterbacks such as JT Daniels, as Jordan Palmer provides great insights into what we'll see out of all of those quarterbacks this upcoming season. And what we'll also see this upcoming season is an uptick and surge in the COVID cases that are going on across the league. A story that we thought and hoped would go away hasn't. It continues to show up on an almost daily basis right now. And there are reminders every day of what the NFL will be up against. It won't stop the sport from being played. The league didn't miss a game last year. But think about what has transpired in just the last three days alone. On Sunday, the Tennessee Titans coach Mike Vrabel announces that he's tested positive, and now he's out for a while. On Monday, we see the Jacksonville Jaguars' former first-round draft pick, Josh Allen, test positive, placed on the reserve COVID-19 list on the same day that there is a quote-unquote misunderstanding with Cam Newton in New England, with Cam now violating COVID protocols due to a misunderstanding and him having to stay away from the Patriots training facility for five days, which means Mac Jones gets all the reps with the first team offense. And Bill Belichick himself this week has talked about how availability is so important. Well, Mac Jones is available this week and he's got his chance to make his mark. And then on Tuesday, the Buffalo Bills sent home three players who were close contacts, Cole Beasley, Star Lotulele and Gabriel Davis, their other wide receiver. And so the Buffalo Bills are dealing with that right now. And that brings me to a text that I got from somebody within the league just a short time ago that said this, and I read, these positive cases popping up are going to bite teams in the butt once the season starts. We will have another Denver with no quarterback situation. And I think that's worth pointing out. Because the more we see of these cases popping up, the more we have to know that COVID is going to be a major player in this upcoming season. And there are predictions from some that there could be a quarterback room or a wide receiver room or whatever it may be that's wiped out that absolutely will impact a game on Sunday, which will impact standings and impact the playoff race. But at a time we thought we might be getting past COVID, we are not. And it is here for the start of the 2021 season. And you know who else is going to be here for the start of the 2021 season? The Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. Now, all over the internet over the weekend were these reports that I allegedly reported saying that Dak may not be 100% this season, which I did say that part. But there were these remarks that were passed on to me as a report that never were a report where I said he may not be back, something to that effect. Again, we were on our pregame show Friday night, and in the pregame show, I kept saying that the Cowboys are going to be ramping up Dak Prescott at practice this week. It's all systems go. He is on track to start and will start the regular season opener 
on September 9th. At halftime, I added, he may not be 100% this year. He may not be back. What I meant was he may not be back to being 100% of Dak Prescott. And again, it happened Friday night. Friday night came and went. Saturday morning came and went. And then all of a sudden, it got out there on social media, midday Saturday, that I said he may not be back this season or he may not be back 100%, which I did say. And one site picked it up and another site picked it up. And all of a sudden, it became this controversy Saturday afternoon where I'm reporting, even though I never reported it, that Dak might not be 100% this year. And I've got people from the Cowboys in and around Dallas calling me on Saturday afternoon. I even spoke to Dak himself in the locker room before the game because he didn't understand what was reported. And I explained to him that it was taken out of context, that I said in the pregame show that he'd be ramped up and he would be playing in week one. And that I said he may not be 100% coming off the ankle injury, coming off the shoulder injury that he's had during the preseason, which is what other people have said as well. It was not a report. It's something that many doctors and analysts have observed and commented on. And yet somehow it got twisted on a quiet Saturday where there was not a lot of NFL information and topics out there into a story that afternoon that had people all worked up. And it was ridiculous. It was completely taken out of context. I never reported anything about that. When I report something, I tweet it. I put it on my Instagram page. I follow it to ESPN. I follow a story to ESPN.com. It's on the ESPN bottom line, whatever it may be. This was conversation we were having. There was a line that was picked up that was taken out of context. What I said, if you go back to the pregame show, was that they were ramping him up. It's all systems go. He'll be ready for the opener. He's expected to start there, and he may not be 100% this year. Somehow, somewhere along the way, that got turned into something different than that, and it turned into something that it never should have, which culminated in me explaining to Dak exactly what happened, and he seemed to understand and be good with the whole thing. But, man, there are so many times that social media – take comments and twist them into something that they're not. That's the latest. What I am reporting, Dak's ramping up. Dak's expected to start the opener. Dak may not be 100%. Am I reporting that? No, I'm saying that. So that's kind of where we're at with Dak Prescott as we begin to head into this week's podcast. As for our first guest this week, we have the former quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears, and Miami Dolphins, a man who is now launching his own podcast this week, Uncut with Jay Cutler. And here he is himself, Jay Cutler. Jay. How you doing, bud? How you doing? I'm pretty good. Thank you for taking the time. No, my pleasure. I don't think we've ever spoken before. Have we? Uh, I don't think so. And you know what's amazing about that? You're not going to believe how intertwined our lives are at certain points. You don't even know some of the things I'm going to tell you about. I'm excited to hear it. Oh yeah. It's pretty incredible. Um, But the reason I reached out to you now and got you and I've reached out to you before, but it's always been tough to get a hold of you. So I appreciate you making the time now. (laughs) Is that your podcasting studio, by the way? It is. It is. Because I saw, and that's why I reached out to you that you're releasing your own podcast starting August 25th. It's called, Uncut with Jay Cutler, you're going to have guests like 
your former teammate Jack Miller, Kyle Long, yep. Dan Big Cat Cats, uh, another Chicago guy. You have some big time guests here. What made you want to become a podcaster? I don't think anything made me, and I still don't know if I want to become a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. Um, you know, they, 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 they had a bunch of different offers, and they came to me with this one. Um, and you know, it just seemed kind of it seems fun. And and I, you know, I did the first one, and uh, kind of was hesitant going into it, and I did it with. Uh, Waddle and Sylvie out of uh, out of Chicago, and uh, you know I've known them forever. Yeah, friends known of mine. Known, yeah, known them forever. Great guys. Yep. And, um, you know we're kind of we're we're in the middle of it, and I was like, well, you know what? This is this is kind of this is kind of fun. Like I'm enjoying this. Um, and you know I think after playing football, you're you're looking for something that, or at least I was looking for something that I would enjoy that you could get a little bit of competition, a little bit of that high. I, um, of playing and, you know, it's, it's hard to replace that completely, but, you know, I, I think that this Avenue seems fun and, and, you know, I get to talk to different people, hopefully get to learn some stuff along the way and, um, have some fun with it. And you created a podcasting studio in your basement specifically for this? No, we've, I've got a, uh, we've got a, a, a little office, uh, building, uh, right outside of Nashville. We, we kind of made a little, a studio in the office building. So you'll leave your house in Nashville to go to the studio to do your yep. podcast once a week, once a week, once a week going forward. Um, I, I know a lot of people do it in the house. I, I, I can't really do much work in the house. So like, I feel, I feel better. Maybe I think it's just come football and just leaving the house and going to work. Like I can't get, I can't get anything done. At home. Is that maybe the kids around the chickens around animals? Yeah. There's all, there's all kinds of stuff. And then like my mind starts racing up things I need to do around the house. And I, I'm just off. So like if I can leave the house, go to a separate space, you know, do the work, get, get done, whatever I needed to get done. And then, you know, that, that, that's kind of how I operate. Did you ever think while you were playing 12 years in the NFL answering questions that you would ever be on the other end asking those questions yourself not at all not at all um you know going in i mean the media is a media and you know early on I, I, you know you're a little bit um you don't really know what you're getting into and then you get a little jaded by it and then towards the end you, you kind of start appreciating guys a little bit more and you know you, you you understand what a tough job it is and uh you're you're i think your answers at least my answers you open up a little bit more to it so uh, but I know, you know, as soon as I was done, I was like, all right, I'm done with that. Um, and I never thought that, you know, I would be sitting in a chair having a guest come in. I mean, I've got, uh, someone coming in in an hour and I'm going to sit here for an hour and ask him questions. And I, I, I never imagined that. What will the podcast, what are you hoping to accomplish with the podcast? What do you want the podcast to be? What do you envision it to be like? You know, I, I want it to be fine. I want it to be, um, you know, something that someone can listen to for an hour and, and have an enjoyable experience. I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to probably open up more about myself. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to bring some people on that I've known throughout my life that are, that are close to me, some new people that I've met that are close to me. Uh, and, and, you know, just kind of see how it goes. I, I didn't really have a plan going into this and it wasn't really something I thought I'd get into. So 
this might change, you know, six months down the road. I have no, I have no idea, but you know, football's coming up. So we'll hit on football and, you know, we'll kind of dive into that a little bit. So uh, it's a little, it's, you know, some uncharted waters for me for sure. It's interesting because back in 2017, when you were done playing with the Chicago bears, you entered into a agreement to go be an analyst for Fox and you would have been on their broadcast. And I still believe that you would have been great doing that. I think it would have been fantastic. Do you ever think what that might have been like? And is there any desire to one day do that, be a game analyst on air? You know, I, I was I was excited about doing that. And, you know, when I tested in L.A., it was I, I liked it. It was fun. It kind of came naturally to me, um, you know, just working in that time frame because you know you've got the you've got the play clock and as an analyst you, you've got to kind of operate in that play clock so being a quarterback like that was just was just normal to me and you know you're elevated so you see the whole field you know you see the safeties you kind of see the blitz come in so I was I was really excited about that um and then obviously went down to Miami played a year there and at that point when I got home you know the boys were getting older uh you know, we were starting uh, the reality show and it was just one of those situations where I didn't really want to be gone that same time frame that I was playing, you know, because it, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back Monday. Um, and I just wasn't at a, at, a, at a place in my life where I, I wanted to commit, you know, to that same schedule and, and that travel schedule. So, uh, so I passed and, and uh, I mean, there's definitely times I'm like, dang, you know, I kind of regret that decision, but you know, it's, it's worked out for me. Why can't you try that on a part-time basis? Speak to Fox or CBS or somebody and, and do like three, four, five, six games a year, like the Peyton Manning schedule. He's doing 10 Monday night games. You do 10 games, Jay. I know. Yeah. I would love to do that. You know, six, eight games. Um, I would, I would be all in on that. Um, you, Adam, you get me the job and you know, I'll, you, you can get some commission on this. You don't need Mark Block. I got you taken care of there, my friend. You get rid of Mark Block right now. Tell him I'm taking over. I'll have something for you by the end by the end of this week. We'll have a job lined up. I'm gonna tell you that. Look, if they're gonna put Arlovsky on six to seven, eight games, they're gonna put you on six to seven, eight games. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I didn't know uh Dan was doing that. Well, he's done some games, the Hasselbecks have done they, everybody everybody dabbles in it a little bit and sure and I don't see why you couldn't do that. Like to me, that's a natural. Yeah, I mean I would love to do it. Um I think I'd be good at it. Uh so yeah, I mean we're obviously putting it out there in the universe right now. So we'll see what happens. Well, let me tell you something. We there's a few times we put out things on this podcast and they've kind of happened. Like I remember speaking to Josh Gordon, he said he never met John Lucas. I said, Okay, let's make that introduction got them together. I still haven't heard the yeah. end result. We're talking about you doing a part-time studio uh, analyst role. Yeah. I, I'm telling you right now, we hang up, I'm texting a few executives and we're going to make this happen. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Um, All right. We'll see. I we'll appreciate see how that it. Go. We'll see how that goes. Now, here's one of the things that I have most respected about you from afar. You were a type one diabetic, right? Mm -hmm. My wife is a type one diabetic and my wife, when. Oh, really? How long? She lost her husband on 9-11. She, a year oh, wow. later, was diagnosed with type 1. And when she had her son, who was 15 months old when he lost his biological father, she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And then she thinks, we think, everybody thinks that the stress from 9-11 caused yeah. the gestational diabetes to turn into type 1. And I think a lot of people, I certainly didn't, don't have any idea what it's like to live 
with type one diabetes. And when yeah. you have come up and you've played quarterback, my wife looks my wife looks at other type one diabetics and she can't believe that they do some of the things that they do. When she heard you play quarterback as a type one diabetic, it blew her yeah. mind. She could not imagine. <laughs> I even since this morning, we were talking about the fact that I was going to be sitting down and talking with you today. Yeah. I said, can you imagine that? She said, no, she it, it's beyond something that she could grasp. How? Well, there's a couple of things here. What do people not know about how difficult it was to play with type one diabetes? Because I think they have no idea. Yeah, it was, you know, the hardest part was because I played, uh, what, 07, 2007. I pretty much played the whole season and didn't know it. So, you know, I lost 30, 35 pounds by the, throughout the season. So, you know, I went from 235. The last game, I remember, I think we were playing the Vikings and I was, I was like 202. Mm. Mm. I mean, nothing, nothing fit. I mean, I looked like, I looked like a child out there. And uh, that was, that was hard because, you know, you get to a point because I mean, being healthy and, you know, you're strong and you're, you're, you're doing all the things you're in the NFL and, you know, privately, um, you know, I'm in the bathroom eight times a night. I'm, I'm so tired. I can barely make it through meetings. Um, and then I'm trying to play football games on Sunday. And, you know, I left at, at, at the end of that year. We all went down to Atlanta to work out. Um, you know, it was me, Tony Scheffler, B. Marsh. It was a bunch mm-hmm. of us. And, you know, I could, bar- I could barely make it. I could barely make it through workouts. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd go back to the apartment. I was just, I mean, I was just, I was wiped out. And, and, you know, there's a part of you that gets really, really scared because, you know, I had no idea what was wrong with me. And there was a part of me that, that really didn't want to know what was wrong with me either because, you know, it could be dying. It could be, I mean, it could be a million different things. And finally, just got to a point. I was like, you know, what, I got to I got to figure out what, what what's going on. So flew to Denver um, immediately, did some blood tests. And, you know, I think I was six, seven, eight hundred right away. So we found out quickly. And then after that, it was. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have a choice in the matter, which, which, which probably, um, probably kind of a, a really good thing, especially early on. Um, you know, I, I was surrounded by a lot of good trainers and doctors, and we just attacked it. And and it was just one of those things like you can't change it. You're gonna have it the rest of your life. You might as well deal with it head on right now and just and just go. So that's what happened. You know, I was playing football. I was doing it. Um, you know, we were checking, we, I mean, we were checking before games, we were checking after the first series, we we're checking at halftime. Holy um, you know, cow. it just became another, it just became another extension. And the good part, I think the good part about it was, that, you know, I, there was people around me. Like I, you know, I'm looking at the, you know, they used to print them off at, at that point, the, the pictures and stuff. And, you know, I'm just holding my hand out and someone's, someone's pricking it. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, there's a, Man, is it two? Is it three? What coverage are they doing? Is it the blitzing? And then they would just say, "Hey, you know, you're, you're 125 right now." I'd like that goal. And you know, we just—that's how—that's how I operated for the next, you know, eight years or however long. It was. And and do you wear a Dexacom now, an Omnipod? How do you how do you treat it now? How do you handle it? Yeah, yeah, I wear I wear a Dexcom right now. Um, and I know a lot, there's a lot of people out there I know that wear pumps and wear both of them. Right. Um, you know, I got used to the I got used to the needles. And I, I got it when I was 26 or so, 25, 26, 27. So I never had anything on my on my body like that. So it, it kind of freaks me out. I, I have had a pumps. I've had all the things. Yeah. And you look at some of these, 
four or five year olds and they have, you know, they've got pumps, they've got the whole thing. And I just, I, like having something like that on my body um, was really weird for me, but I, I love the Dexcom. I think it's the six version of it. And yeah, just, just having a knowledge of what my numbers are every, you know, two, five minutes that, 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 that gives me more value than I don't mind taking a, taking a needle and sticking myself. How many issues would you say you have now? How regular, like, my wife's pump will go off in the middle of the night at two, three in the morning. She's got to go downstairs and have cereal milk. I can't tell you how often yeah. that happens. And just from a male standpoint, it is so hard because sometimes I'll go downstairs to check. I leave me alone. You know, like you, yeah. you, you want to be left on. And then when I leave her alone, you don't check on me. Like you can't win, right? You've been married. You understand how that works, right? It's, it's a brutal thing, but that sickness is such a hard one. How often do you have episodes or situations that are problematic and worrisome? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, a couple of nights ago, um, my phone went off and it was, you know, I think it was like midnight and, uh, I heard the, uh, the, the next time alarm go off and I was like, ah, I think, I think I'm all right. And then I, I you know, I, for some, your body just knows like, or at least mine does. It just knows something's off. And like, I couldn't fall back asleep. And I'm like, well, let me just, let me see what, let me see what's up. And I look and it was 44. And I was oh like, well, that's, not, I was like, that's not a good number. And, but I mean, it was level. I wasn't, I was, I, I crashed already. I mean, I was at 44 and I was leveled off. So I was like, well, that's, that's not good. So you, and what I've found in the last 10 years of having this is like you, your, your body is basically dying and starving for, for sugar. And I used to like go down and, and eat, you know, everything in the house. And then I would be at, you know, three fifty two hours later. Oh my God. And, and so I've got, so I've gotten more discipline where I'm like, all right, you know, even though you're, you're, you could eat everything, just, you know, just drink some orange juice, a little bit of orange juice and, you know, just wait it out for a minute. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of been the, the trials and tribulations for me, but uh, really limiting my diet of what I eat has probably helped me more than anything. And what have you, what do you eliminate and what do you eat more than anything? You know, I, I've on a, on a weekly basis, you know, there's definitely days where I splurge and weekends and have dessert and all this stuff, but like cutting out desserts, cutting out, um, you know, the, the white carbs and the white flowers and, and, you know, really trying to just go a lot of vegetables, uh, meats, fish, fish, that, that direction. Uh, and I mean, fruits kind of been eliminated from my diet as well, even, even though I love it. Hmm. What was the scariest episode you ever had with it? Because I've certainly been through a number of them with my wife. Um, I was, uh, you know, anytime at night is scary, uh, especially when you're alone. Cause I mean, that's what, that's, yeah. that's the most popular, but I was working out, I was working out at Vandy and, uh, I, uh, I felt I was working out and I felt myself kind of crash. You get a little shaky, you know, a little irritable. And I was like, you know, I can just, I can get to the rest of this workout and then I'll, I'll be fine. And then, you know, the, the, the walls start closing and I get a little tunnel vision and I'm like, okay. Like I, I, I think I'm falling pretty quick here. So that's back when I, that's back when I had to stick myself. So I, st I, st I stuck it and uh, I put it in and like, I could barely like, barely like read out the numbers. Cause I mean, I was, I was just, I was, I was going down and uh, one of the coaches, I mean, he, they knew it was obviously, I think they brought me over to the Gatorade or a Coke. And I sat down, I, I mean, I drank the whole thing and just kind of laid there for a minute. And uh, I wasn't sure what the number was. And then I went back 
like a couple hours later and looked and uh it was what was it was it was like 28 or 29 and that's the lowest wow. that's the lowest i've uh, that's the lowest of that's the lowest I've ever seen. Um, mm. But that's a that's the beauty of of the technology now. You know they've made them everything smaller, uh, and you can avoid those type of things. Which you know that's that's the scary part. Like high highs are highs. Um, getting really low. Um, that's that's where things can go bad. Did you ever get real high? There was one time I walked into my my bathroom. My wife was sprawled across the floor. She. Oh really? I had I had to take her to the hospital. She didn't want to go. She's oh, as tough as anyone as I know. I mean, yeah. she is she's far tougher than I am. And mm-hmm. we got her in there, and she had ketoacidosis, and her sugars were above five hundred continuously, and they had to bring them down. And it was it was it was brutal. It was a very scary episode because she didn't want to go, and the sugars were as high as they were. Mm-hmm. And it just gets to the point: the fact that you played football with this is so impressive to me, and the general public doesn't realize what goes into treating and handling and managing that disease on a day-to-day basis. They just don't know. I see it every day. So I know. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 you're living it. Um, You know, the thing about diabetes, I mean, type one diabetes is it it just doesn't go away. Correct. You know, you wake up with it, you go to sleep with it. It it affects your mood. It affects your daily life in in every every walk of it. Um, What you eat, what you drink, you know, how you work out. uh, I mean, there's literally no factor what where that number, that blood sugar number isn't being affected somehow. Um, You know, whether you're happy, whether you're mad, um, stress, it it does it all. Um, So it's it is something that, you know, is tough and it's, that doesn't, I mean, that's, and that's the thing about it. It doesn't go away. Like you, you can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Um, it's something that you have to take head on. And, and, and that's why, you know, I have so much respect for these, these kids that get it there oh. under 10, under eight, you know, it breaks my heart. Um, you know, I got it when I was 26. So I was, you know, technically an adult i was still a child mentally probably but like you know i could take care of myself i could i could you know figure some stuff out i can't imagine i literally can't imagine having uh having to be a parent and, and deal with it and, and I, whenever we whenever we had kids it, it scared me to death that you know they, they would have they were they would have it you know you know, I'm checking, I'm, I'm pricking their little fingers sometimes whenever like they would sleep in and stuff. And I'd be like, gosh, let me just see what their numbers are. So it, it's, uh, it's a tough one. It's definitely a tough one. I've, I've gone to Washington a few times as an ambassador for JDRF to meet with the yeah. little kids that are lobbying Congress for more funds and more awareness for yep. treatment and research and whatnot. And I look at these kids and I got to tell you, it made me emotional. I, I, I have a couple of oh, pictures gosh. of them and what they have to deal with in their life. It's so, it's so unfair. It's just it is so unfair. unfair. It's completely unfair. You know, all the, all the things, all, I mean, it's tough enough growing up as a kid, especially in today's world. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you know, the world's changing so fast and then to, to throw that on top of it, um, it's it, it, it's gotta be brutal i mean you you got to wear a pump at school you're different it's just it's just i mean it's hard so all those type one diabetic kids who are out there maybe they listen to this you're doing the right thing yeah. keep keep up the fight and uh, hopefully one day a cure does come along so there's tie one between me and you tie two denver mike shanahan so 2006 
leading up to the draft? I knew yeah. he was taking you. I knew he was taking you? you all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, it was a big secret, right? Nobody knew. You didn't know. Nobody. And they were worried that the Titans were going to take you, right? They took Vince Young that year, if I remember correctly. It's coming back to me now. Yep, and I yep. remember talking to them, and Mike's like, you sure they're not taking Jay? I'm like, yeah, he's going to be there for you. He's going to be yeah. there for you. So a month out, I'm aware that your future is in Denver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there were two picks that I knew that he was making, yours and Ryan Clady, where he's calling me and saying, are they going to be there? Are they going to be there? Are they going to? Yeah, they're going to be there. Sit back. Relax. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> and sure enough, you wound up in Denver, where yep. on Thanksgiving Day on NFL Network, which mm-hmm. was the first sideline reporting job I ever had with the great Chris Collinsworth and Brian Gumble when they were in the booth. I report in the pregame show that Mike is thinking of turning to you uh, as, as the new quarterback. And the Broncos owner, Pat Bowen, great man that he was, came to the NFL Network broadcasting trucks, which Rich Eisen can attest to, to seek me out to find out if this was true, that you were going to be taking over as the starting quarterback. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mr. Bowling came looking. Mr. Bowling came looking for me. Oh so wow! I missed that, but Rich explained to him that if I was reporting it, there was probably a pretty good chance it was going to be accurate, and that's exactly yeah. what it turned out to be. Yeah, to go over that game on Thanksgiving in Kansas City, and so there would be connection to me tracking you to going to Denver, ascending to the starting quarterback, even though you and I never spoke about any of that or never met yeah. before. Yeah. It, uh, it, that, that, the whole Denver thing was funny because um, I was in Nashville, obviously at Bandy, and uh, Jeff Fisher was the coach for the Titans. Awesome dude. Love the guy to death. And back then, I don't know what the rule is now, but it, it, you know, if you're in a certain range of the team, they can bring you in basically at will. So I went down there and I, I threw form. They put me on the board. You know, I'm drawing up every play that I've ever ran before. You know, I mean, wishbone, spread, veer, power. I mean, everything under the sun. And go home. I'm like, they're taking bits. You know, the owners from Texas. Like, this is this this is this is dumb. They call me back again. Probably back in. Through again, did the whole, you know, song and dance, yeah. went home. And I think they brought me back to one more time. I'm not for sure if that's if, if it was a, if two or three times. But the very last time I'm looking at fish and I'm like, hey, you guys are taking bits. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing here? And by this point, I'm I'm just over it. So like we're like we're out there throwing, and you know, it's the uh whoever they had out there, the practice squad guy or something and i'm just i'm throwing missiles i'm like all right we, whoever can do this i'll just let it fly and so and fish is like i you know i can't say what we're doing you know we're just we're doing our research i'm like okay man sure so i wow. uh, went home and De- denver wasn't on the radar they didn't talk to me they weren't on my pro day uh they did nothing nope. nothing under the sun no nope. and we were we had a draft party um in nashville and my strength coach, John Sis, he was getting like the hats, you know, and so he get he gets the top, top, I don't know, top 15 or so, whatever it was. Denver was Denver moved up. I forget where they were. They moved, they moved up, up to 11. 11. I think they went from yeah. 15 to 11. Yeah. 
I think that, yeah, they traded with uh, the Rams. Rams? Yep. I think so. And uh, he had all the hats and he had the, he had a Denver hat. And I was like, what? I'm not, going, I'm not going to Denver. Like they just came out the AFC championship game. I was like, this is not happening. And he's like, ah, I just picked it up. I'm a huge, he goes, I love, he goes, I love, I love uh, coach. And, uh, and then Arizona, Arizona was in the mix. Um, Kime was, Steve Kime was there, GM, yeah. called me, called, I mean, I knew top three, top five, like that, it was out. And there, there just weren't, there weren't a lot of teams that were looking for a quarterback then. And then Matt started, late, and then, oh, I was at Starbucks getting some coffee, heading down, heading down to the, wherever we were having the party and uh steve called me and uh he's like hey you know if you're at 10 you know get ready and i'm like i'm ready you know pull the trigger i'll be there tonight like, i'm ready to roll yep. and uh go to the party and you know vince goes reggie goes they're all going um and matt is he's sliding he's sliding he's sliding he's sliding he's sliding matt liner matt liner we get yeah Exactly. Then we get to 10 and I'm like, they're taken, they're taken Matt. They, they're not drafting me. And they, obviously they took Matt. And, and then at that point I was like, I might, this might go a while. We might, we might settle in. <laughs> Cause I, I wouldn't go to St. Louis. Um, and then obviously uh, Mike made the call, moved up and it was like, bam, bam, bam. All of a sudden the phone ring. I was like, I was like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? But it was a, uh, it was awesome. I loved playing for for Mike. He was oh, yeah. he helped he helped me out so much those first three years, and it all and it, you know it set a precedent um, in me and, and on what what it should look like, what offensive football should look like, how to run an organization, you know, how to run a team, the leadership structure. Uh, it was it was it was awesome. It was awesome. It was it was unfortunate how it how it all ended there. What what happened with that? I I never fully understood that. I don't know. You know, I've had dinner with Mike since then. Um, you know, I think it's, I don't, I mean, where, where Mr. Bone was mentally is, you know, that's one of those things that no one, no one knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, we had the number two offense in the NFL, you know, after, after a third year and we were all super young and I, I don't know, I don't know the whole story. I just know that, you know, after the after everyone checked out and did their physicals, that Mike had a meeting with Pat, and it didn't go very well. Yeah, Matt, so Mike gets fired, okay, yep. and then Josh comes in, Josh McDaniels, yeah, and you asked to be traded. Is that correct? I mean, do I have to? Because I remember that all of a sudden came up that March, and yeah, like, well, he, he 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 was he was trading me. He was because he wanted you. he wanted Castle, so he was trying to make the trade. Um, to get me out and get Matt in. Um, and then, you know, we like called and, you know, we went back and forth on it. They denied it. I was like, it happened. Um, and then we, we had a few meetings and it just, it just was one of those situations that I don't, we weren't going to, we weren't going to work well together. Um, there's, you know, there's part of me that wishes I stayed and, and worked on it, but it, you know, I was 26, 27. Right. I was, you know, you know, you're, you think you're on top of the world and you, you think you have all the answers and maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, but, you know, got shipped to uh, Chicago, you know, had made some awesome friends, uh, had, a, had, a, had a long run there, um, met Chris in there, had three kids. I mean, it, it was one of those situations where it, it worked out. It worked out for me. 
Chicago's a great place. I went to graduate school there. So oh, I really? love Chicago and I love Denver. I lived in Denver for 15 years. Still in my soul yeah. to this day. Lovely place. I love Denver. Yeah. Great place. Denver. Oh, Denver was awesome. I was so happy to be out there. Um, yeah. Those first three years still go back. It's changed a lot, you know, in, in the last five years. It has. Yeah. I, I, I told my family about it. They'd never been. I brought them out there. Some of the things, not as pleasant, but many of the things yeah. about the place are fantastic. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. Um, Chicago, you know, a thing or two about the quarterbacks and how it works there. Yep. What is your assessment of that situation? And what advice would you give to Justin Fields? Uh, you know, the, 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 I mean, I watched, uh, I watched the first preseason game, watched the second preseason game. It, it, it's tough to make an assessment or, or a call on that because, I mean, the offense looks bad with first team, second team. I mean, they, they just, I mean, they got ran over by Buffalo. Um, I like the coach. I think offensively, I think they have talent. Uh, I like, I like the scheme. If it's me making the decision, I'm starting Andy and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let Justin feel it out. And, you know, if things go well with Andy, that, that's great. If they don't go well with Andy, you know, just, Justin has a few, few games here to really, you know, see what this thing is all about. Like let, let's see live bullets. Let's see real NFL defenses in the fourth quarter. Let's get in stadiums. Let's be in an away game. Let's you know go through all the things mentally and, and let him see it. I know he's played big time football in in Ohio State. The the thing about what I, I I think going from college to NFL is you know everyone's good, everyone's fast. Mm-hmm. You know defenses change on a dime, and I think playing quarterback these days is it's harder than it ever been without a doubt just because defensive coordinators are so smart uh they're spinning the dial on coverages it's hard to put a beat on on what they're actually doing so mentally you've got to be on it and i i it's just hard it's just hard to do it do you can you actually learn while you're sitting on the bench you sat on the bench for a while your rookie year is that time beneficial and can you grow because some people say you have to play to learn but you tell me you've been through it yeah, I, I definitely think you have to play to learn. You, 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 you learn more doing than anything. That's, that's without a doubt. I, I think that there's, there is benefit to just going through the process and seeing it and, and hearing the verbiage and, and, and watching someone else make some mistakes and coming to the sideline and how to operate on game day, how to operate throughout the week, you know, setting your, setting your schedule up so that you are in a good place by Sunday. Uh, from college, you know, everything, I mean, everything is structured out. I mean, these kids are literally walked through like, and you get the NFL and it's like, all right, figure it out. We need you here at 6 a.m. You're gone at whatever time and you go do, you go to you. Uh, and you're just expected to, you're expected to be on it. You're expected to perform, you're expected to know what to do. So I, I think there's a lot of benefit in, in seeing that process for, for whatever period of time that is whenever you first get in the NFL. I think there are coaches who are scared of playing a rookie quarterback too soon and ruining him. Absolutely. We've seen happen with other quarterbacks. And that's, I think a decision that Kyle Shanahan's going through in San Francisco right now and Bill Belichick in new England right now. And Matt Nagy in Chicago right now, when do you put these guys in and when do you subject them? And urban Meyer in Jacksonville, that's why he hasn't named Trevor Lawrence the starter yet because he doesn't want to ruin them too early. Well, I think you look at, you look at top 
first round draft picks in the NFL, and most of the time they're going to bad teams. It's just what that's just the nature of the beast. And it it's quarterback in the NFL is you it's almost impossible to be a good quarterback in the NFL on a bad team. It just doesn't it just doesn't work. You know, if you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have some dudes that can make plays in space, if you don't have an offensive coordinator that can dial it up on third down for you, good luck. Like you are, it's a, it's a, it's an impossible job. So you know, these top ten quarterbacks that are are, are going to teams that are you know one and fifteen, four and whatever twelve, like it's it's tough. It's it's tough sledding out there, and you and if you get hit enough early on, it's hard to come back from that one. Before I let you go, Jay, we know yeah. you have the upcoming podcast debuting August 25th, Uncut with Jay Cutler, with a number of guests. It's going to delve into a number of areas. We know that I'm going to be working on getting you a part-time analyst gig here. Could you ever see yourself doing reality television again? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it would have to be a perfect scenario. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't. It was it was kind of easy. Um, it's just it's just hard letting people into your house, into your life, into you know everything that you're you're doing it about. Like it, that that's a little bit different for me. But you never know, honestly. You never know. I mean, I didn't think I'd be in, I I didn't think I'd be in a podcast room, you know, doing a podcast in in an hour. So like it's <laughs> you, you, you never you never know where you're gonna end up. When that started out, I did not envision and picture Jay Cutler as a reality television kind of guy. Uh, that just wasn't what I was expecting from you. I have to be honest. But I liked it. I, I, I watched it all the time. My wife and I, yes. Thank you. I, think you're, I don't think you're alone in that, uh, in that thought process. But uh, once again, life's, life, life's funny. Hey, Jay, really appreciate taking some time. I'm glad we could finally catch up. Uh, Absolutely. Some 15 years after uh, I had you going to Denver here. I knew that yeah. would be happening, and it's nice to finally be able to touch base. I will keep you posted on that analyst gig. And, okay. Uh, thank you again for your time today. I appreciate it, but Thank you. And there is Jay Cutler, somebody that I've been interested in hooking up with for quite some time. We appreciate his time. He was exactly what I hoped he would be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket.
paid for by NHTSA. From one quarterback to another, from Jay Cutler to the former NFL quarterback Jordan Palmer, who now runs QB Summit Digital, which is video content and live weekly Zooms, helping young quarterbacks develop ahead of the pack, somebody who's trained NFL quarterbacks during the offseason, and somebody who's got tremendous insight into them. Without further ado, Jordan Palmer. Jordan, we're getting ready to head into a big season, the first 17-game season. You spent your offseason working with a number of NFL quarterbacks. Give me an idea of some of the guys you work with and what you're expecting to see out of them this season. Uh, well, for some of the young guys, um, I spent a lot of time uh, with Trevor Lawrence, and, and it was an interesting time because, um, you know, when he landed in California, he did he was unaware of the shoulder injury, the torn left rotator cuff. And so, um, you know, found that, uh, the whole process of bumping the pro day up, um, throwing and, and, uh, and obviously the Jaguars selecting him and, and then the process of rehab and getting better. So it was just a very unique, um, you know, off season for, for Trevor, for sure. Um, and one, you for me i've never bumped a pro day up eight weeks <laughs> you know i bumped one back a week or so but never up eight weeks so um and uh, it was fun watching him kind of develop and and also he had a lot of life changes you know he got he got married and and uh just a bunch of bunch of life happening for him um and obviously he's at the center of a lot of conversations and has been for a long time so um so trevor was one of the young guys shane bichelle a guy who who's uh, with the chiefs right now. And I've made many comments that he's I, before the draft. I said, I don't care what round I don't, I don't know if he's going to get drafted and I don't care what round, but I think he's going to play 12 years. And uh, they just released the guy he was competing with uh, yesterday. So it looks like he's going to be a great addition for the room in Kansas city. And, um, and then on the veteran side of things, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold spent a lot of time with Joe Burrow, um, Kyle Allen, who had uh, basically the identical injury to Dak Prescott Um and uh, so the rehab, rehabilitation of that, uh, and and uh, as he as he came back, um, and then uh, yeah, a bunch of bunch of younger guys, and, and was able to cross paths with a ton of receivers, tight ends, and running backs. These guys have their their uh, their players out here, and and uh, I, I've been spending more time the last few years uh, with the pass catchers, the tight ends, receivers, and running backs. So I was able to work with a lot of rookies and a lot of uh, a lot of veterans as well. Let's get back to Trevor Lawrence a second. So far, Urban Meyer has not named him. The starting quarterback. What is your take on what's going on there and the way that he's performed this preseason? Well, it's interesting. Um, and because he's the number one pick and because what's happened the last two years with the number one pick, it's a head scratcher as to why you wouldn't name him the starter on draft day. <laughs> Just go ahead and go forward with it. Um, but Adam, I mean, you, you've been doing this a long time. What he's doing, what, what Urban is doing with Trevor right now was the norm three or four years ago. I can think of all sorts of guys that I just that I've worked with who split reps all the way through training camp, split reps. I weren't even named the starter, even though it was their team. I mean, Deshaun Watson split reps all through camp as a rook going into his rookie year. And then they named Tom Savage, the starter. And then he benched Tom Savage at halftime. And then Deshaun Watson was named the starter at halftime of week one, right? You know, it's just like, and you look back and you go, well, that was a waste of 50% of these reps. This dude could have been getting better. And then Kyler Murray comes on and they just roll with him. And then Joe Burrow last year, they just roll with him. And so it's only really a head scratcher because of what the last two team, the way that the last two organizations that selected a quarterback number one have behaved. And, um, 
Yep. And now you can make an argument Gardner Minshew is a good player and he's proven and all that, but you've already made your decision. Right? You could take Trevor Lawrence number one. Um, so I, I'm more on the side of give him every rep possible because Adam, here's an interesting piece to this. And I had uh, I was at Chargers uh, uh, Niners practice on Friday, and I was talking to a, uh, uh, a bigger name former head coach, and we we're uh, we we're we we're talking afterwards and about this, and he brought up a great point and said, you know it's not just the young player that needs reps. It's the other players that need reps with that young player. Right. So let's say that, let's say that the Jaguars um, have a veteran center, right? That center needs to know what things that Trevor doesn't see yet. Like we can talk about in meetings that, uh, you know, the quarterback's going to point to the will linebacker or whatever. Right. Like that center needs to know what Trevor knows and doesn't know. And so he's got to get those reps. And so it's not just the reps that Trevor needs. It's the wide out no under getting a feel for how Trevor's going to throw this ball, the O-line getting a feel for how Trevor's going to call this. And, um, and so that's why I'm more on the side of if he's going to be your starter, give him every rep possible. Now you worked with Sam Darnold, right? You worked with Josh Allen. You worked, g- give me some of the other quarterbacks that we worked with during the offseason, Jordan. Yeah. Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, Spent a lot of time with Joe Burrow uh, as he's gone through his rehabilitation. And then as basically once he got cleared to throw, uh, we kind of put some work together. And then this was a big offseason. I worked with uh, more college guys than I ever have in the past and a lot of guys that are coming out next year. So we're going to go into those college guys in a moment. But give me what we're going to see this year from Sam Darnold and Joe Burrow being that you worked intimately with both during the offseason. Well, I think, you know, Sam Darnold's an interesting one because uh, – and I know it's a new regime over there, but, um, you know, if you look at Sam's situation last year and the situation that he's stepped into right now, it's pretty interesting because, you know, every team is starts off with the same, right? It's, everybody has the same salary cap. Everybody, you know, everybody has the same financial backing, right? It should be pretty even. And yet if when I look at Sam's situation last year in New York, uh, again, previous coaching staff, but last year in New York to his situation now, I actually think that's an upgrade at almost every single asset aspect um, from the, the personnel, from the coaching staff, the cohesion there, um, from the, the ownership group to the fan base, the city, the market, you know, just so I just think it's an upgrade at every position. And I think Joe Brady is the perfect offensive coordinator um, to get Sam at this point in his career. There's a lot of similarities between Sam Darnold and Joe Burrow being able to manipulate the pocket, be able to buy time, push the ball down the field, accuracy. So there's just some things that Joe Brady was able to to pull and out of Joe Burrow his senior year at LSU that I think he'll be able to pull those same things out of Sam Darnold going into his fourth year. So I'm really excited for Sam. I think that he looks the best that he's looked. Um, And I made this comment before. I'm curious what you think, Adam. I'm I have more confidence in Sam Darnold right now, like as a prospect than I did when he was coming out of college as the third pick in the draft who could have gone number one. Wow. How come? Why do you say that? Why do you say that? That's interesting. Well, because I've known Sam his whole life and and, you know, everything's everything's relative. But, you know, Sam had a pretty solid upbringing, great friends, um, good people. And, um, you know, his high school coach is awesome. And he played for Troy, uh, uh, Clay Helton, who's a great guy. And. It's kind of like everything was great. You know, I, I didn't really know how, how he would respond to a lot of adversity because he hadn't really had that before. And these last couple of years in New York, 
the the seeing ghosts the um mono just the way he was drugged through the mud in the media how bad they were the flat you know and he's struggling to get a win and his his best buddy josh allen's playing at that high level all the things right and i just watched sam handle it like a veteran you can't find a single quote that sam darnold said in new york media where you'd say "Ooh, he shouldn't have said that well he, he handled himself i think very he's a classy guy and i'm a sam darnold fan i can't say i feel more excited about him just because I think you're always excited about the new shiny toy. And when he's coming out of the USC with the suck for Sam campaigns, he was the new shiny toy then. But I do think he is going to have a great season. I am excited to see what he's going to do. Like I'm all in on Sam Darnold. I'm good with that. But I can't say I'm more excited than I was when he came out, Jordan, if that makes so, sense. So I'm using the word confident, not excited. I'm more confident in what I see and what he can do. Uh, I'm with you on the excitement side of things, but I just, I know more about him now after he has been through all this stuff. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, with Sam, I think my confidence is, is uh, higher in him right now than it was even coming out just because I, I just know more about him. I know that he can handle the really hard stuff, the way that he has conducted himself and uh, those last three years in New York. And, um, and then if you think about from a, the weapons standpoint, the best player he's played with on offense is, is Robbie Anderson, who obviously he's reunited with right now. But I don't think people would say he's the best player in the Carolina Panthers when you have Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore is a pretty good player. You and start, Terrace Marshall Jr. And so you just start seeing upgrades across the board. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited for him. And what about Joe Burrow? What do you see from him? Is he back? To, are, are there any reasons to be concerned, Jordan? You tell me. No, I don't, I don't have any concerns – with uh with joe i know from a physical standpoint adam this guy this guy's work i think when when joe's older joe will be the guy just like we talk about tom brady and drew Brees, where his like work ethic is a thing that everybody talks about like it'll be different than everybody else's right like russell wilson's constantly putting content out about how hard he's working joe burrow yeah. doesn't put any content out about how hard he's working but it'll be like that'll be stuff of legend I don't know that Joe Bros had a cheat meal in a year. I mean, he's just locked in. And so I had a quarterback uh, buddy hit, hit me up and go, hey, I saw Burrow the other day. That guy's jacked. He didn't look like that two years ago. So there's just I'm – not, I'm not concerned at all with the physical side of it. The only other thing that you have when guys tear their left ACL as quarterbacks is that confidence to step into it and rip it and people around you. And I don't care who you are. It happened with Brady. It happened with my brother twice. It happened with Deshaun Watson twice. When he's Deshaun, people forget Deshaun towards ACL is a true freshman too. Um, it, when you tear that left ACL, that confidence to step into it and rip it. Um, but anything in the confidence category, I just, I'm just it's not a concern for Joe Burrow. So I think that's a hurdle he'll get over um, through this preseason. I think it's a great time and, and, and camp's a great time for him to get over that. But once he gets over that hurdle, which again is inevitable, um, I think he's got more velocity than he's ever had. Um, and he's got more weapons than he than he had last year. And uh, I see him elevating the play. And I think that you start going through that Bengals schedule, it's like, I actually see a lot of wins on there. You know, I didn't realize that he was such of a gym rat, worker, dieter, nutrition guy. We have TB12. We might have JB9 one day at some point in time, for all we know, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see how entrepreneurial he is. But I uh, know the first thing he spent money on was a chef. It's the first thing. So, wow. but he's also think about it though. He's also really tight with the Bosa boys. 
right? Like those guys are like two of his best buddies. In fact, when Joe, I trained Joe for the draft, he used the same chef as Joey and Nick. And, and I think that's where his wheels started turning. And those guys have, I mean, those guys take unbelievable care of their bodies. And so, you know, if those are your buddies and they got the same agent and they, all that, and that kind of wears off. And then Joe saw how valuable it is. And so he, yeah, he's, he's locked in man. he's, his work ethic will end up being stuff that people talk about. You mentioned the young college quarterbacks that you work with. And we'll mention once again, Jordan, that you run the online platform QB Summit Digital, which is video content and live weekly Zooms helping young quarterbacks develop ahead of the pack. So you're helping these young college quarterbacks. Give me a college quarterback or two who is going to make a big impact this year and be somebody whose name we hear a lot about in March and April when the NFL draft rolls around? Well, in no particular order. Um, but uh, I think, you know, speaking of Joe Burrow, I'll just go right into JT Daniels. Um, I think JT at Daniels at Georgia is is positioned for a Joe Burrow-type senior year. Um, hmm. And one thing that's interesting, and, and, and Adam, I know you're all NFL, but when you look at uh, college landscape, this is the first year I've seen this in a long time. You got Bama. Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Florida all reloading at quarterback and some combination of running back and pass and their main pass catcher, right? And so it's kind of wide open. Now they're reloading with dudes, right? Clemson's reloading with DJ Uyunglele, and you know Alabama's reloading with Bryce Young, a quarterback I think is going to be a star, but they're still reloading. And so um, Georgia isn't. And they get everybody back outside of one injury. And so I think JT is, is well-positioned. People forget how prolific he was. He broke all of Matt Leinert's high school football records as a freshman on varsity at modern day, which is one of the biggest, best high school programs. So he was doing stuff that, like, the best kids that ever went there did. He did it as a freshman. Um, and then he skipped his entire senior year. Quinn Ewers, um, kid going to Ohio State, got a lot of pub for skipping his senior year. I mean, JT did that three or four years ago and started as a true freshman. Quinn is going to sit and watch JT started at USC his fourth year of high school. So people like it slipped through the cracks, you know, and, and, um, and then when he tore his ACL and in comes Keaton Slovis, then he goes to Georgia and wasn't really healthy until about mid season. And when he was, he rattled off, I think five straight monster performances and wins. So he's setting in this season with a lot of momentum and physically I've been around JT since uh, he was in seventh grade and uh, I've been around Joe Burrow for four or five years. They're actually really similar. Um, very off the charts, intelligent, off the charts, confidence, uh, more athletic than you'd think. So there's just a lot of traits that are similar. So JT Daniels is a name you're going to hear a lot about um, as we approach April. Desmond Ritter, University of Cincinnati. Um, maybe double check these stats, but I'm pretty sure he's like 30 and five or 33 and five. So he's just kind of like quietly one of the better guys to play college quarterback in a long time. And I don't see any losses on their schedule this year, even Notre Dame. Um He's got an incredible tight end. He's got some guys around him. They get everybody back, and they really only lost last year to Georgia in the New Year's Day, whatever game it was. So Desmond Ritter, you know, he's 6'5". He's got a, probably one of the best arms in college football, and there's there will be plays this year on tape where he pulls away from corners as he runs around the edge. Um, so Desmond Ritter's a guy. And then a fun guy for folks to watch late at night is going to be Carson Strong out of Nevada. Um, he, uh, he, again, quietly has just had a – very dominant career there, um, but is getting a lot of a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz um, in NFL circles. 
Um, and then the last one I would say is Jaden Daniels, Arizona State. It's going to be a fun one to watch. He's I've been around him since he was little, and he's always reminded me physically and the way he plays the game like Deshaun Watson. Um, and uh, and the other thing that reminds me of Deshaun Watson is I think he has a 4.0. Deshaun Watson had a 3.99, I think. Um, and so they move the same, and uh, I think they think the same too. So Herm Edwards has a chance to have a big-time quarterback here at Arizona State, huh? He does, yeah. Yeah, he's had, you know, last year they had a weird season with, with COVID, but before that, I mean, he started as a true freshman, started every game, and he played uh, played really well and stepped into his own. So, Jordan, for all those young quarterbacks out there, aspiring quarterbacks who are listening today, what do they need to know about QB Summit Digital and the help that you can provide them? Well, I launched this platform. I mean, I run camps. This coming up year, I'm going to do 12 events around the country. I'm going to do a tour. Um, it'll be really cool. We're going to, to nine cities. Um, but, uh, I launched the online platform when COVID happened because I live in California and when they were like kicking people off of parks, right? Like you can't go throw. Um, I just had a lot of people ask me what to do. So I went and locked myself in a content studio and shot over hundred pieces of content and started having a zoom every Sunday for members. So I've actually summit digital is an awesome platform. If you're a dad, listen to this. Um, it's great during the season because every Sunday we're talking about what's relevant right now. Um, but I've got, uh, members from, uh, 35 States and, uh, five countries, actually, Adam, it's kind of blowing up in Germany right now. Um, and, uh, Germany, why Germany? Germany's, uh, it's football's blowing up in Germany. So outside of Canada, it's the fastest growing market for, for American football. Um, and, uh, so I've got a couple of coaches that I, I'm friends with. I work over there. I do some, every now and then I do some coaching zooms with coaches, um, from Europe and, uh, from Prague and places like that. And. Uh, before COVID, I was set to go out last summer, all of August, and take my whole family. And we were gonna—we had camps all around Germany planned before COVID. Wow! So, <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. Last week, I got a request to do a podcast with these guys from Ireland, and so I agreed to do it. And I went on there, and I could not believe how much they knew about my life and football in the states and the questions they were asking. It was incredible, and. They told me that football in Ireland is huge. Yep. And obviously a bunch of these guys doing this podcast, they must have a big following and they knew so much. It blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. It's exploding over there. So, so that's why I launched some digital. And, and then since then it's just grown like crazy. So uh, it's become a really cool thing because a lot of the stuff that young quarterbacks, it slips through the cracks, right? Either the high school coach doesn't know it. The middle school coach doesn't know it, or they don't have time to talk about it. So like I've got content in there where it's like, well, here's who's actually blocking who, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you know, the coach has got to install it. And then you go, all of a sudden we play the game, boom, but we didn't get to slow it down and really learn it. And so I just, I continually pop, populate content in there just to help. This is the most complex position in all of sports. Right. I mean, this isn't just something you just, you don't just pick up oh, yeah. a bat and swing it. Right. Um, and so the, the importance of young players, like if you're not developing with somebody at a young age, it's kind of too late. This position is getting very refined and there's a lot of good coaches out there. So um so yeah so i launched that platform and it's been a great great resource and this season i've got a bunch of awesome stuff i also have guests come on right so some kid balls out on saturday in college have them come on sunday and talk about it with the members that's kind of cool so so who, if we had a venture a guess now as to who might be the week one guest you got a guess who's going to ball out on opening day jordan well george has got clemson so i think jt but uh I, i'm i'm really excited man I, you know i'll throw a name your way i'm really excited for Cade mcnamara and and uh, michigan so I know you're an alum. Um, just so you know, Jim Harbaugh has a quarterback. Cade McNamara, I've been with him since sixth grade. He's a real guy. And forgive me for not even knowing this, and I should and I will, but I'm not there yet. 
Is Cade McNamara projected to start for Michigan on opening day? He's been announced as the starter, yes. It shows you how much I know about Michigan football right now, yep. right? Like, I'm in my and he own was bubble. at one point committed to Notre Dame, decommitted, and went to Michigan. So you're going to like him even more. Okay. And, 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 and what's he like as a quarterback? Give me an idea of what I'm going to see when I watch Cade McNamara play. I am not setting expectations, but I, I, the only person I can compare him to in terms of how he approaches the game is Tom Brady. This kid, since seventh grade, takes everything serious. And there's been a pattern. If there's teammates of his who aren't that tough or who don't really want to do that, don't really want to work that hard, those players don't like Cade. Uh, we'll be paying attention to Cade McNamara. We'll be paying attention to QB Summit Digital. We'll be paying attention to Sam Darnold and Joe Burrow and all the quarterbacks that you've trained and tutored during the offseason. Jordan, I really appreciate taking some time today. Thanks for having me on, Adam. And there is Jordan Palmer, who trains a number of NFL veteran quarterbacks during the offseason and also runs the QB Summit Digital, a video content and live weekly Zoom session helping young quarterbacks develop ahead of the pack. For those interested, they can go to www.qbsummit.com. That's www.qbsummit.com. And I know we are getting ready for the last week of preseason football, but selfishly, personally, I'm getting ready for the last week of my golf pool. It's a 24-week pool. We remain in first place as we've been for 22 of the 23 weeks. We have a 273,000 point lead, which can be overturned in one simple weekend with one bad result heading in to the golf match this week, the BMW championship in caves Valley, 15 miles Northwest of Baltimore. The last time the PGA tour had an event in Baltimore was when John F. Kennedy was president a long time ago. And there'll be a Caves Valley Golf Club, which is right by where the Baltimore Ravens train. And I could tell you that if I could pick one place in the world to be this weekend, it would be there. I'd like to drive down to Baltimore to see this happen, this huge event. I need to pick the winner. The second place team, we have an idea of who they're going to pick. I'm going to be consumed and obsessed with the man, the golfer that I picked this past week. I went out to the Northern Trust, had Jordan Spieth, Followed him, Colin Marikawa, and Patrick Cantley for all 18 holes on Thursday. Watched them the entire time. And when they got done, I went over to Jordan Spieth and thanked him for the entertainment. A little disappointed he went plus one on Thursday. Even more disappointed with his finish over the weekend. I've never seen somebody, I've never seen somebody get two eagles on back-to-back -back holes the way that he did on Friday. And then back-to-back -back triple bogeys on Monday when the tournament continued. He was all over the map. He's a great golfer, but he had a tough week last week. Colin Marikawa, wow, walked over to him at the end of the round, shook his hand, and he thanked me as genuinely and as nicely as he could for following him all 18 holes. Are you kidding? One of the greatest golfers in the world, the winner of the British Open, and he's thanking me in a genuine way for following him and got the chance to meet Patrick Cantley as well and appreciate what those guys do and the entertainment they provide. But there's no golfer that I'm going to care about more than the one that I pick this weekend. And I must pick somebody that I have not chosen the last 12 weeks. I have been agonizing over this decision for the last two, three days. The decision is about to be turned in. We will see and we will update the results of the golf pool next week. But the week last week at the Northern Trust, unforgettable. And this weekend at the golf club in Baltimore, at Caves Valley Golf Club, I know this is going to be memorable in a very pleasant 
or unpleasant way we shall see. And before we sign off on today's episode, let me quickly tell you that 30 for 30 podcast and the undefeated present the King of Crenshaw. This four-part series examines how Nipsey Hussle's life, death, and legacy impacted the sports world, particularly the NBA. Here, DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas, and DeMarcus Cousins, among others, explore the realities of life as a Black man in America, Nipsey's dedication to South L.A., and his community, and how Nipsey inspired millions. The marathon continues. The King of Crenshaw. Listen now on SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, ESPN Plus subscribers, join an ESPN Plus Fantasy Football League now for a chance to win $250,000. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 or older, no purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com backslash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. That's ESPN.com backslash ESPN plus football rules for full details and official rules. All right. I want to thank Jay Cutler for checking in here and giving us some time. Good luck to him with the start of his new podcast. Thank you to Jordan Palmer for his time today. Thank you to my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting together this podcast. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we are scheduled to have the great Chiefs tight end, a wild and crazy guy, Travis Kelsey, joining us to break down the upcoming season, as well as Pete Pomeritos, a trainer in Miami who trains about 100 NFL players during the offseason. He'll provide some insight as to the players he would recommend drafting in your fantasy drafts. Until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.